My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. All right. Hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited. Coming off of a high from being in New York for the Good Food Mercantile and Fancy Food Show. So very cool. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm a little envious of your profession. I know and I know there are probably many struggles and you can speak to those, but, um, just in general, being in the food industry and getting to see all the cool new products and obviously tasting different products. Cause we, we actually connected at Expo West in California and we that, did. that was really amazing because that was the first time I've ever been. Was it really? Yes. I had never been. Oh, it's a little overwhelming. I was very, I was, <laughs> Yeah, I was regretting the fact that I only booked the trip for two days because I'm like, I needed a full week to go through all of these. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was there for three days and I needed longer too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So I would love to hear a little bit, or I kind of know this already, but I would love to hear more about your story and, you know, why you started your company and why you created your granola. And I've personally tried it. I've got a empty container right here um, (laughs) because of, you know, we are basically hiding it from my boyfriend in my house, but yeah, I'd love to hear more about your story of, of how you got to creating your business. I started Nana Joe's back in 2010. I had just met somebody online and we had started dating and I was starting to surf. And that was kind of my goal for meeting this person online was like, I really want to learn how to surf. It was a website called fitness singles back in the day. And (laughs) you could go on and like meet people. And I just moved to San Francisco and I was a year sober and I was like, okay, it's time for me to start dating and and start really reaching out and and meeting new people. And I had started surfing and I was paddling out in the water at at Osha beach and, and in Santa Cruz. And I was basically like just losing all of my energy within 30 minutes of paddling out. And I thought, well, what's going on? What is it? Is it something that I'm eating that's making this happen or, or what is exactly happening? And I've always been dairy-free. So I was doing like a dairy-free coconut milk yogurt and granola. And I started really looking at what was in what I was eating and it was a lot of sugar. Mm. And I thought, oh, okay. So I started doing some research and started quickly finding out that I needed enough fat, fiber, protein in my, in my food in the morning in the granola. And so I thought I'm a trained pastry chef. Why don't I try my hand at making my own, you know? And so as the story goes, um, I started making it and I'm Italian and I always make way too much food every time I cook. And so (laughs) I had excess of granola and I was bringing it to work and giving it to my friends at work and and my family and just really thinking about it. My husband, who wasn't my husband, I was dating at at first, but uh, he mentioned to me, he said, you know what, you should really try and sell this. And I was like, I would have no idea how to do that. And I worked next door to a grocery store. Uh, I was at Nopalito and Filetti's was right next to me. And I went next door and I talked to the general manager and I was like, hey, if I create a product, would you sell it? 
And he was like, yeah. And, I, and he was like, my wife actually has a CPG company. And I was like, wait, what, what's CPG? <laughs> you know, that was back in the day where it was like all these questions I needed to ask. And so I, I talked to her and she really helped me start the business. And I went downtown the next week and got a business license and just started the process. I rented a kitchen at the uh, Jewish community center and that's how it started. And I was quickly in a bunch of stores and there wasn't anything really back in 2010 on the market. There hadn't been this boom of bringing whole food ingredients back to the grocery store shelves like there is now, which is amazing. So that's how it started. It started it with like $1,500 and now I'm still self-funded. i you know, borrowed some money from family to build out our kitchen. But other than that, it's me. That's amazing. That's so incredible. I hope that people listening, we're obviously going to dive into, you know, what types of ingredients are in your products and what what types of ingredients we should be avoiding in a lot of conventional products, things like certain oils and, um, you know, added sugars that can, you know, impact our body and our guts in certain ways. I hope that this is inspiring for people listening because I, I as well, I get a lot of questions, um, about, you know, how did you start your business? Like, were you scared when you started out? Uh, I mean, yes. Did you make mistakes? Yes. Did you fail? Yes. It's it, but it's possible. Right. And you yeah. know, you have a passion and a, and a dream and oftentimes a personal experience of, you know, something that selfishly helped yourself. I think, anyone can, can pursue those dreams. So obviously, you know, not trying to be like an inspirational, you know, talk here, but I think it's, <laughs> well, it's well said. Yeah. I mean, it's well said. It's also, I didn't know better, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when you're first starting off, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And there wasn't this buzz of people starting food businesses like there is now. And there wasn't a lot of help out there mm-hmm. for small businesses to start. So I basically, I, I, I found that the biggest thing that has helped me is networking mm-hmm. and really getting to know everybody and not going into it as competition or I'm better than you, or, you know, going into conversations with other makers and leaving your ego at home, I think mm-hmm. is one of the biggest things and piece of advice that I would give somebody who wants to start a business and really reach out to people, the people who want to help you succeed. Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. Well, your, your passion for bringing this product or your products in general to the market, it's very clear in your ingredients list that, you know, you're doing a great job and you're not losing those values. And, you know, when you've been able to scale a little bit, which I hope you continue to do and continue to grow. Me too. Yeah. And I, I definitely will keep the values for sure. I think we've, we've run into that a lot lately with the cost of goods being so high right now mm-hmm. and inflation and 52% cost of goods increased from 2019 till now. We had an option to, to kind of not have the ingredients that we have, get lesser quality nuts and seeds and said, no, this is, this is a product that people have come to love and trust. And I'd rather be out of business than sacrifice my product integrity. Amen to that. Um, (laughs) That's a hard thing to say, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've even, I can't relate from a food industry perspective, but just the idea of like, Oh, if you scale your business and you offer this, like, you know, book or something or guide that's pre-recorded, it's like, 
I'm providing people with personalized nutrition help. Like this is, that's not possible if I'm doing it that way. So it's, it's tough when yeah. you're, you're faced with those because you want to help more people, but you have to support yourself. And yeah, it's challenging. And those are real struggles for entrepreneurs that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Yeah, that is very true. So I know when we, when we first talked last time, when we had our, our chat offline, you had talked about how you, you, you said to me, have you ever been to a natural flavors lab? And I said, no, you know, what, what does that even mean? Like I've never had, no one's ever invited me. So (laughs) I would love to, I would love to hear your experience with what are natural flavors? Cause it's an ingredient that I typically have patients avoid in, in daily consumption, right? If it's, you know, once in a while you get natural flavors in something, but like what, what is natural flavors? And based on your experience, why should we be avoiding those in foods? Well, I think, I mean, it's a, it's tricky, right? Because it's something that is made in the lab. So we don't exactly know what ingredients are in there. Um, for me, having celiac and colitis, I think I definitely avoid them because I don't know if there's any sort of wheat in there. I don't know exactly if there's something that's going to trigger me or not. It was it was a little bit mind blowing. I mean, I I was able to tr- taste some of the natural flavorings and really see how addictive they are, right? And how it makes you want to eat more stuff. I wasn't able to see exactly how they're made. It was just like a lab of a whole bunch of different, like thousands and thousands of different flavorings, like Mm. cookie dough, like raspberry, strawberry. And a lot of those aren't even made with natural ingredients. They're just put together by flavors in, in different components. Like for instance, back in the day, Fruit Loops, used to be that fruity flavor came from cardamom. Mm. Isn't that wild? Wow. So yeah. So what it happened? Takes, it's a whole bunch of, di- I know, right. It takes a whole bunch of different like ingredients and different um, lab perfected flavors mm. to enhance the addictability mm-hmm. of a product. So you're always going to continue to go back. I mean, everybody's everybody knows the Toll House cookie recipe, right? Mm -hmm. And how when you have that Toll House cookie, you taste that vanilla extract and vanilla extract has that flavor that's so comforting and familiar. But I think that there are ways that you can take those flavors and make those flavors without having them be made in the lab with like, we just did a berry seeded blend and we did raspberry powder to give it mm. that tartness that you get from a strawberry. The strawberry one was a little too sweet. It didn't have enough of the, the tartness that, it, that I wanted to see and that boldness that you want from a strawberry mm. granola. So I added a little bit of raspberry, but with, with the natural flavors, we don't exactly know what they're made out of. We don't know if it's GMO corn or like what exactly is in them. So I think rule of thumb, I'm not an expert on it at all, but I just know from what I saw in that lab and how like you just smell it and it's like, whoa, it's so intense. You just need a little bit of a drop, but not knowing exactly what's in there, I think is what is important to kind of really think about. Mm -hmm. Um, What goes in your body is so important that like even especially for me, it's so important that I don't think I would want to put that in my body. And it's like just little liquids. Mm -hmm. What is it? 
Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's like a drop of <laughs> something. I mean, you could put like a yeah. potato in there and then you have the natural flavor and it turns the food into something totally different that your body, it doesn't actually get that true, actual, real flavor, but your body's maybe reacting in a way as if you are. And for those who aren't, you know, familiar with natural flavors, they're derived from certain places and the FDA has approved certain certain ways that, or certain compounds that you can extract them from or foods that you can extract them from. But the most common ones, like, you know, you mentioned corn, dairy, soy, wheat, like these types of products can contain some major food allergens or sensitivities. Wheat's a big one. Yeah. So they're especially concerning for people who have food sensitivities or allergies and don't think about natural flavors as being, you know, an issue because natural flavors is such a broad term. It's, it's more about where they're derived from. And most companies don't disclose that. So I have seen, and I can't remember which products, but I have seen on labels where people say natural flavors, and then they disclose where the natural flavors are derived from. Yeah. That was really nice to see because I, it, it actually started to spark my interest of, well, if they're disclosing and other people aren't, what, what could be in that? You know, we have no idea. It seems so yeah. you know, harmless because it says natural and everyone thinks natural is automatically healthier, but that's not necessarily the case. And we, we do have research that shows that even artificial sweeteners can stimulate a part of our brain and our gut bacteria to think that we are getting that food. And if we don't get it, what are the consequences of that? Right. Or is it more cravings throughout the day? I've definitely experienced that myself, you know, incorporating any of those into my diet, whether it's through, you know, products or drinks, I crave more actually. It's as if my brain is like, "Mm, you think you got it, but you really didn't. So you should probably get it. (laughs) Yeah. It creates that, that spiral of, I want more sweet. Like if you put little stevia in your coffee in the morning, then you just want sweet for the rest of the day. Yeah, exactly. It's like a cycle of you can't get out of until you stop eating sugar. Sure. Completely without having it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The science behind it is pretty interesting on the natural flavorings and where it comes from and how it's so concentrated. I mean, you just need like a little teeny tiny drop. Mm-hmm. And it's just because it says natural doesn't mean it's organic. It doesn't mean it's not non-GMO. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about oils too. One of the other common ingredients in a lot of granolas or just products in general, which yours does not contain in them, are more pro-inflammatory oils. So things like canola oil, soybean oil. Yeah. So yeah, walk me through kind of your choice on which types of oils you've chosen to use and why, like in the nuts and seeds Mm -hmm. and like the heating of the fats. I'd love to kind of talk about that as well. We chosen to use um, almond butter and um, nuts and seeds in our paleo blend. So the Mm -hmm. almond butter is the fat, which is kind of like the oil, crisps everything up and holds Mm -hmm. things together with a little bit of maple syrup. And most of them, we have one that's, that's keto. That's got a little bit of monk fruit in it, but Mm -hmm. we chose to do the almond butter because for me, I'm super sensitive to oil rancidity and coconut oil in some granolas can get pretty rancid and you taste it right away. It's the reason why people don't like coconut is because they've only had rancid coconut. Um, Mm. And 
Yeah, it's true. So if you have somebody who is completely opposed to coconut, they've most likely had either the, the um, coconut that their mom used to bake with that was totally sweetened mm-hmm. and had a whole bunch of chemicals in it, or they had rancid coconut oil and they decided that that was, I mean, if you leave your coconut oil on your counter and it gets hit by sun, it's going to go rancid pretty fast. Mm-hmm. It just kind of breaks down naturally. And with our oat varieties, we've chosen to use extra virgin olive oil. All of our ingredients are are certified organic, but we chose to use like olive oil because not only the flavor is the reason why I started to use it, but also because it doesn't get rancid as fast and it has a great flavor and it doesn't have the anti or the um, inflammatory properties in them. I think with the slow baking of stuff and the low temperatures, every oil has a smoking point and that smoking point, like if you see, like you, you've turned around and you've left your oil on the stove, right. And it's smoking. That's actually bad. That's, that's your oil becoming carcinogenic. That's your oil breaking down. So whenever you start seeing that smoking point, you have to throw that oil out because it's lost all of its properties and it's broken down. Mm-hmm. So with olive oil and with baking and with the nuts that we, we choose to use and the seeds that we choose to use um, and the, the, where we source them from, it's really important because a lot of times nuts and seeds have natural oils in them too. Mm-hmm. And those can actually burn and break down and become carcinogenic as well. We do a, sl- a slow bake because not only does it really help the flavor and give it this like warmth, delicious crispiness, but you're also avoiding that smoking point of that oil becoming rancid mm-hmm. and that oil becoming carcinogenic. I don't know, like, I don't want to speak on the complete science of it. I just know as a chef and as a person who's done a lot of looking into what things make us not feel good and what things create inflammation in our bodies. I think that was the biggest one that, that was one of my biggest triggers was safflower oil, which is used in a lot of granolas. Even if it's high oleic, it, it definitely causes inflammation in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also canola oil, like canola oil is, is made from corn and a lot of it is GMO corn. So you're also looking at that other aspect of can our bodies actually break that down and digest it? Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think like with, with the slow roasting, you're not burning the oils and the nuts and seeds. And it just creates this beautiful, crispy, warm flavor that doesn't have that kind of charred burns. I think I'm eating rancid granola and it creates, it creates a barrier too when you're baking. So the, the, coconut, all the nuts, all the seeds aren't going to get rancid in in the bag as fast. Mm -hmm. So if you just do like a quick, like burst of, of heat and cook it really high to get, to get it all going out, I think it, it a doesn't have that warm flavor. It's kind of got like a a bitter flavor to it. Mm -hmm. And this is what people don't think about, right? When any sort of product is mass produced, it's cutting corners, yeah. right? They're, they're A, using mm-hmm. cheaper quality ingredients, but B, we need to get things out quickly and efficiently and in larger volumes. And so it makes sense that when a food company is trying to accomplish those goals, that they, they have to cut corners, but it's at the expense yeah. of the consumer's health. And 
I love that that's 100%. Yeah. I love that that's something that you're doing differently. Like you're changing the game for people and offering a product that's different. And I, I just, I think education is really important around that. Yeah. I think too, you know, like I want to, I wanted to create a product that felt like it was made in your kitchen. You know, when you open it up and you're like, wow, that tastes like it was just baked. I mean, that's a reason why we have a manufacturing facility. That's a reason why we bake every single week. Mm -hmm. So our distributor gets product that was made the week before. And then that next week, the grocery stores are getting it. So when you look at, there's nothing wrong with, with doing co-packing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of times they'll do large runs because co-packers have a huge MOQ. They have like, Mm -hmm. you have to do 20,000 units Mm -hmm. and you get those 20,000 units and you hope you can sell them. Mm-hmm. And so by the time you get that granola, it could be like eight months from the time it was baked. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We have a six month shelf life and we were approved through a lab to have a year and a half shelf life. And we've chosen to have that six month shelf life because you do lose it. It does start to get a little bit rancid after six months. It's still mm-hmm. edible. I mean, it's not, it's not going to you're not going to not be able to eat it, eat it a year later, but you're not going to have that experience that we really want you to have, mm. which is fresh baked granola in your bowl off the grocery store shelf that has no nothing made in a lab, all ingredients that are like grown from the ground and all whole food ingredients. And I think that's what sets our granola apart. I mean, we haven't done a lot of marketing or advertising. Um, we've been pretty quiet in that front. But what we have done is word of mouth. People try our granola and they tell other people. Once we get it into into people's mouths, they absolutely love it Hmm. because it does taste like it's, you know, you made it that morning, right? And Uh I think that's important. I think when you go to the grocery store and you start looking at the, the expiration dates, you start looking at the ingredients, you really get a good feel of what it is that you want to eat and you want to put in your body. It's, it's really important to know that when people have claims on their granola bags that, oh, this is good for you, this, is, this will power you throughout the day, mm-hmm. the question should always be, how, why, mm-hmm. what is in there that's possibly not going to power me? Oh, cane sugar? Yes, that's not going to power me. Mm-hmm. That's going to power me for 15 minutes and then I'm going to crash because I'm super sensitive to it. But having the wherewithal to go to the grocery store and start looking at packaging and, and spend an hour in there looking at what the claims that people are making and then asking that question, why? I mean, we have this amazing thing called Google where we can Google anything and, and figure out what what is it? What is that in my granola? What is that in my soup? Why do they put foie gum or why do they put gums and stuff and preservatives and, you know, rosemary extract is a good question to ask. That's a, that's a great one because that's a natural preservative. Simple Mills uses it a lot and Simple Mm. Mills is a great company. Um, It just helps preserve things without using stuff that like citric acid, that is also a preservative in that same realm, but it's just more natural and more easily digestible. Mm -hmm. Are there other ingredients in the food industry that you would like advise consumers to steer clear of, I mean, citric acid. Yes, definitely. Again, unless a company is disclosing that they're, you know, sourcing it properly. I mean, I don't know. What are your, what would you add to that? I would, for me personally, I would add erythritol. I think it's 
do good things for my body <laughs> or mine or <laughs> any of my it, clients. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. I it's, it's like, it's very painful for me. That's definitely one I 100% avoid natural flavors. Of course is definitely one that I avoid any of the canola safflower oils definitely avoid. Mm-hmm. And erythritol is a, it's a sugar alcohol for people who aren't familiar yes. with that. I've done a whole episode on artificial sweeteners and sugar alcohols, and they can really take a, take a toll on the microbiome and they, they aren't digested in your, the upper part of your GI tract. So they make their way down and they can create a lot of gas and bloating for that reason. You'll see them in a lot of, you know, these keto products and low carb products because they're trying to keep the carbs low. So they, they try to give you that sweet taste, but it can totally wreck your gut. And I do also want to speak to the research on the rancidity of oils and fats, because there is research that shows, um, you know, that these can create oxidative stress in the body, which we know is one of the main causes of aging. And, you know, there's symptoms like joint pain and um, GI issues, you know, all these different types of health issues that we can have from the either the heating of oils at high temperature past their smoke point for extended periods of time or just having oils go rancid, which can happen if you're, you know, I, I had an olive oil at one point that was in my cupboard for like two years and I didn't think anything of it. But when you have an olive oil for that long, then it can go rancid just because of time, temperature, heat. Um, so now I know that I rotate my olive oil at least every few weeks. I buy a smaller glass bottle, keep it away from light and air and uh, don't heat it above the temperature that it's supposed to be be on, and and you can taste it. You mentioned the taste yeah, of like taste a rancid it. coconut oil, even and even almonds. So, for example, anytime I eat a trail mix that's from a you know mass produced you know company, I'm like, ooh, that that almond tastes burnt. It t- you can almost taste it once you've tasted the difference, and I know I can feel it yeah. in my body just talking about what's in your cabinet spices is huge Mm -hmm. because you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be holding spices in your cabinet for four years and Mm -hmm. still using them. And also spices have a lot of um, mold Mm. because of the way that they're dried. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like the, the new thing, like looking for mold um, free coffees because of the fermentation process, same with spices. Spices are laid out a lot of times on farms, like chilies are laid out on farms and they're basically just laid out to dry. And if there's any moisture, they might get a little bit of mold. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to to dry their own herbs inside, like hanging upside down and in between the stems where it's tied up, there's a little bit of mold. So you have to really think about like, if something's not making you feel good, then what is it? you know, and for me, it was like really going through my spice cabinet and looking at where am I getting them from? How are they sourced? Are they organic? I think that Do you was have any brands too, that, that you like for sourcing that you get or? Absolutely. I mean, I love Diaspora Co spices. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets most of her spices direct from India. She was born in Mumbai and she, she noticed that the turmeric in America wasn't what it needed to be and what, what it wasn't, what it was like when she was in Mumbai. And so she thought, I'm going to disrupt the spice trade and really start looking at how these women who are farming and, and growing these spices and growing these 
peppers and this turmeric, like, why are they not being paid well? Why are people coming back to America and spending five cents a pound in India on these spices and then coming back and selling it for like $40, $50? Mm. I think that's something to really look at. There's another company, gosh, what is it? I just forgot. I had it and then I forgot. Um, Who's the other one? Organic Spices is a really good one. Mm -hmm. You can get their spices online. Mountain Rose Herbs. I trust all of their spices. Star West Organic, um, Mm -hmm. based in Sacramento. Those are great ones to get your spices from. And then really looking at people who have that, who really do the documentation and do the testing on their products. Like Terrasol has great, great products like almond flour, almonds, coconut. I really trust their products because I get their spec sheets. I get their, um, their certificate of analysis every time I get something in and I've never found a problem with anything and everything's been really great. For spices, I think that I would just go with those for now. There'll be one and that I, herbs I have too, one on right? the top of my head. Buying yeah. your own fresh yeah, yeah, herbs yeah. and stuff like that. Because I, I feel like it can be very overwhelming as a consumer when you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do all these things. Now my coffee's moldy. My spices are moldy. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, no, it's so tough. <laughs> start with start with something fresh, right? Start with just fresh ginger, yeah. fresh ginger, and those can go a long way. And yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. When someone asked me the other day, a client said, "You know, well, what what is it in the coffee that could be bothering me?" I'm like, oh my gosh, there's the there's a lot. There's the caffeine. There's where the can we start? <laughs> yeah. There's the processing, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to be a consumer nowadays, even a smart consumer, you know, which I would consider myself yeah. a smart consumer, but I wouldn't have thought to look at my spices. I buy organic, but I wouldn't have thought, you know, because of the mold issue, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. Spicely is a great one too. They have like conventional ones that are at I think Safeway in the Bay Area. I don't know if they're they're anywhere else, but what is it? They're called? a really great one. Spicely, Spicely. Okay, all right, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm taking they're a really there, good so. one. <laughs> good to know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's and then looking also looking for smaller producers. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a piece of advice that I would give, like Nana Joe's granola, or you know, go like Just Date syrup. People mm-hmm. who really who have grown, but not blown it out of the water. Because I think you get to that point, like you were saying earlier, where you have a choice to either like grow really quickly and forget about your product integrity and your mission statement and why you started doing what you do and just grow really big. So A, it can get acquired. B, you you hit the radar of a lot of grocery stores and you can get into them really easily. But I've been in, in this business for 12 years and we're not big we're like around a $2 million a year company. Mm-hmm. And I've chosen to stay that way. And I've chosen to grow organically because I want to keep that product integrity. I the mission. I have a mission, you know, I want to bring food to the, to the shelves where people like me who has celiac disease and colitis, I can go to the grocery store and I can look at all these products. And there's maybe a handful of packaged goods that I can actually eat. I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of whole food, nuts and seeds and stuff like that. But I don't have that option to just go to the grocery store and grab something off of the shelf because there are so many things that I could be allergic to. And then like, I look at the expiration date and I'm like, oh, I'm sure that there's probably some rancid oils in there, or there's something in there that's going to trigger me and give me foggy head or whatever. So Mm. when you're at the grocery store, I mean, try those small mom and pop, you know, 
items that you just saw hit the shelves that maybe don't have the coolest, best packaging, but they have ingredients that you can trust. Like I started off Nana Joe's. I started off conventional. I started off in a whole different realm. I was using safflower oil. I started off conventional. And then I slowly worked my way to organic, which is usually the opposite. You usually Mm -hmm. see products on the shelves that have all organic. And then once they start to grow, they start using conventional ingredients because they're cheaper and you can mass produce more. Mm -hmm. And when you're mass producing, you're also not looking at like where those ingredients are coming from. Like our almonds for our paleo blend are coming from a farm that is getting certified regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. Like you look at that and it's like, how are they treating their workers? How are they treating their farmers that are out in the field doing this? Are they paying them equitably? Are, you know, is it just like, here's your C-suite managers that are getting paid two to $300,000 a year. And here are the people who are making the product, making minimum wage, barely scraping by working three jobs. Mm. I mean, it's one thing to look at that. I mean, if you, if you look at like Nana Joe's, I try to pay, fair wages to all of our employees. And I think that makes a difference, A, in the quality of the product because people really care what's coming out of the kitchen. When you look at, I get caught, okay, I'm going off on a little thing. No, this is good. Keep going. You're probably going to have to edit, but no, I probably (laughs) won't. Because I sound like an idiot a little bit. But one of the things that I get all the time are calls from brokers. And brokers are people who your nuts and seeds go from the farm right? And they go to a distributor. And then sometimes they go through brokers who send them from warehouse to warehouse to warehouse. So I get calls all the time saying, oh, I have 10 pallets of pecans. The, they were you know, grown in 2019. It's, it's, it's year 2019 that they were grown. And I can sell them to you for $3 a pound. Hmm. And I'm like, well, where have they been? How many places have they been? And they can't tell me. And that is a lot of like, when you're, when you're certified organic, they go through that process of like, where have your products been? Did you go through a broker? And most of our ingredients, we get one touch or two touch, which means we get them farm direct, which are our pecans, our almonds, our maple syrup. You know, we get these things farm direct because we know that it hasn't been in an area where where it's been near wheat or cross any sort of cross contamination or on a truck with a bunch of chemicals. Like there's mm. no way to know unless you have that certification, unless you really look at your certificate of analysis and your spec sheets. I mean, there's so much that goes into producing food and into cost savings that people really try to cut those corners and are like, okay, Hey broker, I want you to find me nuts at, at $2 and 17 cents a pound. And the reason why we have this inflation in food right now is because a, the farmers weren't getting paid what they deserve to get paid for their nuts and seeds and their spices. Uh, They were always undervalued because they had to try and sell it. And then with the demand shock, And the supply chain shock, which is a little bit different than um, a a break, the shock was basically in 2020 when everything, like everything hit the fan in March and people were panic buying food. There was a 400% increase on consumer packaged goods um, purchases, right? Mm -hmm. So basically you're taking all of these products that people have made for that year and you're buying them in one month. 
it's, it was wild. Wow. And so basically what happened is a lot of times your, your farmers will have nuts and cold storage from 2019, 2020, 21, 22, right? So we exhausted all of that up until now. So basically the crops that are coming in are being sold and bought mm. instantly, but they're being bought at like, say I was paying $2 and 50 cents for, um, my oats, right? My organic purity protocol oats, which is the only oats I'll use. Say I was paying $2.50 a pound for those. I'm now paying $4.80 for those. And it also has to do with climate change, right? Yeah. So climate change in the Midwest, climate change in Canada, where my oats are grown, you look at that and you're like, if there's a heat wave and they only yield 50% of their crop, then you're like totally screwed, but you want to continue to use those purity protocol oats. And you have the option of, do I switch to just the organic where I don't know where they've been is under 10 PPM, but it could have been milled in a, in a um, facility where it had wheat before, because that's a lot what happens when you see gluten-free oats and they're not certified gluten-free oats. It means that they've probably been through a mill that has already run wheat and they run it and test it until it's clean. And then they sell them as gluten-free oats because oats are naturally gluten-free. I'm just going to go move to like wherever (laughs) I can grow my own food and nuts and seeds and spices and goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, like where you get your nuts and seeds is important. I mean, I'm an advocate for Terrasol. They sell really great stuff online. It is a little bit pricey, but it's also like you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. Like bargain, you should never bargain shop for your food. Why are we bargain shopping for our food? I kid you not every time. And I, I hate to call them out, but I feel like, I feel like Trader Joe's must have this. I feel like they're the type of people that go and buy those pecans that have been sitting there for so long. And then they just make stuff out of it. Cause you can, you can almost tell by the, the crossover that they have in their products. It's almost like, Oh, we had too much of this almond. And then they start making. Yeah almond everything. And then it's like (laughs) all this palm oil. Oh, I'll take that. It's cheap. Let's just put that in all our chips. It's, it's so evident. But then the crazy thing too, is that I can personally notice I have like, it's like my left knee. I always get bad knee pain if I eat nuts or seeds that are clearly rancid. And I'm, I'm convinced like that is, that is what it is happening. And so I'm yeah. I'm on board. I mean, I've, I've felt firsthand the impact it has on my health and my gut health. Like I can tell my, my gut can be destroyed after, you know, high like sunflower oil, for example. So gosh, it's terrifying, but it's also very, it's very comforting to know that there are people out there that are still, you know, staying with their values for their companies like yourself. And it just means yeah. we just need to be smart consumers. You know, I wouldn't even have thought to, to look at a expiration date with a product that contains any sort of oil or nuts because of that, the rancidity yeah. aspect of it. So, yeah. And I think too, like you don't know sometimes the shelf life of a product. And it's like, if it's close to that expiration date and it's on sale, it's probably on sale for a reason at, at at whole foods. Like you have to, as a vendor, you have to do promos four times a year. So that's a little bit different with, with stuff like that. But if you see something that's about to code and it's like $2 and it's normally 10, there's a reason for that. And Mm. you need to, 
either eat it quickly or get one bag, try it out. If it's good, if you don't get the knee pain, uh-huh. <laughs> then, it's, then it's all right. Sure. Did you get any knee pain with our granola? No, of course not. I'm like, <laughs> of course, this makes complete sense given everything that she's told me about the product. Cause I saw sunflower seeds in it in the one that I bought, which was so delicious. The orange, it's like an orange sunrise in a, in a granola. Oh, that <laughs> one's my favorite. The, so delicious. the orange almond butter. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. perfect amount of crunch, but also kind of creamy and yeah, no knee pain whatsoever. I usually get knee pain from any granolas that are grain free that have like sunflower seeds in them or just other nuts and I, nothing, nothing at all. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I've learned, I've learned a lot about, you know, kind of your business. And I've, I've always kind of had this speculation and I tell clients, they'll say like, Oh, what about this new product? Like hate to call them out, but vital proteins, for example, like as soon as they hit Costco, I'm like, I have, I'm skeptical. So I'm going to go back to those smaller companies, you know, that I know that have collagen that yeah. are doing stuff small scale. And I've, I've tasted the difference. The vital proteins wrecks my stomach. The great lakes one doesn't. And why? Because Great Lakes yeah. still a smaller company at the time when I was using those. So yeah. I'm always just watching for the growth of a company. And, and even if a company does grow, I think you make a great point about asking them questions about their sourcing and whatnot, because unfortunately, the food industry is not the health and wellness industry. And even if they were, there's still tainted aspects of that. But it's, yeah. it is business at the end of the day. And yeah. it, that's just what it is. I'm not going to, you know go more detail into that. Just remember that business is business is business. And unfortunately the health of the consumer is not at the front of mind when someone is trying to make money. So, yeah. And then asking that question about the claims, like how, like how does that really energize me? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we're making a lot of claims and the FDA is is allowing it to happen on our, Oh, this is gut friendly, right? This is, that's the most annoying one that I keep seeing where it's, uh, Oh, these, this is gut friendly when it has erythritol in it, but there's chia seed. So all of a sudden it's gut friendly because there's fiber in it. That is driving me insane. And and as consumers, especially because gut health is such a vulnerable state for so many people, right? I'm bloated. I'm tired. I just want to feel normal and my gut is erect. So they're now shelves lined with, Oh, this protein powder is gut friendly, this gut friendly soda, this gut friendly, everything. And it's, it's got probiotics in it. Yeah. What are, what quality are those probiotics? Are there even any left in that shelf shelf stable item because they've been sitting in a warehouse? Like you don't, yeah. And it's like, once you bake it, that's a, that's called a kill step. Yeah. And those probiotics are dead. gone. They're gone. <laughs> so yeah, sure. They were made with probiotics, but they didn't quite make it yeah. to the end. Yeah. And then you're looking at adaptogens too. And a lot of them are really great, like chaga, lion's mane, stuff like that. But if you have any myo, myo to, like myotoxin problem in your body, you're, you're going to like react totally terribly to them. Mm-hmm. right? So if you have any like molds, I don't, I mean, what would you even call that? Like mold, mold toxicity, mold toxicity. Mold, yeah. yeah or mold you. allergy. You, you can have an allergy to it. Yeah. If you have any of that in your body and you're thinking that having your chaga latte every morning is going to help you with oat milk, which is packed with sugar, you're, it, it's not going to help you. <laughs> no, no, it's you know? so true. So really like doing the research of these claims, I think is really important. 
like we don't do a lot of claims on our, on our website, on our granola, because I can't guarantee that what makes me feel good when I eat it is going to make you feel good when I eat it, when you eat it, you know? And I think that that's something important to say about it. And I haven't really had it looked at and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're starting to kind of look at nutritionally, like what is our granola providing people and what it's providing people is, is a breakfast or a lunch or whenever you have your first meal of the day, or even sprinkled on salad, it's providing you with fuel. It's providing you Mm. with the ability to eat something in the morning and not have to have something to snack an hour later. One of the biggest comments we get and compliments that we get from people online and through our website is that our granola fuels them from breakfast until lunch and they're not snack hungry and they're not sugar craving. Yeah. And I want to make a, as a dietitian, I'd love to make a few points here about like what to look for nutritionally in a granola. Yeah. Because I mean, definitely having fat in there is important because fat is satiating. It helps keep you full and it helps keep your blood sugar stable. And Oh my gosh, I have so many people who are afraid of fat. Oh, there's there's 14 grams of fat per serving. Ooh, no, I got to save up those calories for my cocktails at the end of the day. I mean, it's what you do <laughs> that impacts what you do later, right? So what your blood sugar yeah. does later, what your hormones do. We need fat to make hormones. So we have to move away from that that calorie focus because it's what, what how do those calories make you feel? Because if, if you get a granola that's, you know, higher in sugar, lower in fat, lower in protein, lower in fiber, and then you eat it and yeah, you get lower calories, lower fat, but then you're hungry again in an hour and you're tired. Yeah. That's not supportive of optimal health. Right. One thing I liked about your granola is that I ate it and I didn't feel like, Oh, I just want to keep eating it, which is how I typically feel with granolas is and I've heard clients say this, they're like, oh, I can't keep those in the house. And I'm like, why? Why can't you keep those in the house? Well, I'll just eat a full bag of it because I feel like I'm just a, can keep going and going and going. Well, that's because it's not satiating. There's not enough fat. There's not enough fiber. There's not enough protein. And there's yeah. some unhealthy ingredients in there that are are not supporting your gut. So it's important to think about what those calories do. And I love that yours has, yeah. it has what, three grams of sugar and the one that I bought, which only two of those were included from maple syrup, which is personally my favorite sweetener to use. You know, there's six grams of protein, which is fantastic, especially if you add it into a Greek yogurt for breakfast. What a great way to start the day or a smoothie bowl on top of that with some protein in it. Yeah. Big fan of your product. And this is not sponsored. Thank you you so much. My pleasure. Any last words for um, the listeners about, you know, things to look for in the, uh, the food industry. I think you gave us, gave us a lot of great tips about looking at expiration date, um, looking at sourcing, shopping small and local, preferably buying Nana Joe's granola. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's one for sure. Um, I think just, just really asking the questions, like when you start seeing these claims and, and there's so many fads that are happening and so many people are jumping on bad bandwagons, like this is, this will help you gut health wise. I think it's all individualized, right? It's, it's not all everything, one size fits all. Mm. And I think just looking at what makes you feel good and why does it make you feel good when you eat it? 
mm-hmm. and does it make you want to just like eat a ton of it, like a bag of M&Ms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or does it, or does it satiate you like a bag of Nana Joe's granola, right? Mm-hmm. And looking at what makes you feel good, number one, I say, you know, starting to look at Simple Mills has done a great job in growing and keeping their product integrity. I think they've done a fantastic job at it. Um, there are companies out there that have grown, that have done that. It just, it's with a taste. Pay attention when you're trying something. Mm-hmm. Is it the same as when you had it when it first came to the market? Or is it slowly changing? And is it, are you having questions? Like there's a national granola brand and I was doing a tasting with a grocery store. I'm doing a, a little collaboration with them and we're, we're doing uh, white label, which means that I'm making four different granolas for them. And we sat down and did a whole bunch of granola tastings of the stuff that they had on the shelf and what sold well. And we tried a national granola brand and we tried it and it was rancid. Like it was 100% rancid. And mm. the owner of the grocery store looked at me and said, what is that flavor? And I was like, it's rancid coconut oil. Like I emailed the company and I was like, hey, I, I tried your granola and I just want you to know that I think there was something wrong with lot number so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I think when we try products and something's wrong with it and we get mad and we call the call the producer or we email them and we're like, your granola is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But there might've been something that went a little bit wrong. So a, just being a little bit mindful of the way that you speak to, to producers when you email them. And then also, cause we're human behind that computer screen where you order mm-hmm. your product. And then also just letting people know when you have a product that isn't the same as it was the time that you had it before. Oh, I noticed you changed your packaging. And I also noticed that your ingredients changed. Why is Hmm. that? And just asking those questions and really looking at the ingredients on the back of the package, they're Mm going to change as a company grows. They're Uh going to be like, oh, they started off organic. And now I don't see that organic cert on there anymore. Just paying attention to what you're consuming, what you're buying and supporting as much as you can financially with your, with your pocketbook, like small local producers who are doing it right. Start Uh going to their website, start listening, start learning about how food is really made the ingredients that are being put into it. I think that's that's my piece of advice and, and what I want to kind of leave with and just understanding that it's really, really hard to, to produce food. And a lot of food producers are not profitable. And that mm. goes for a lot of really big corporate food companies are not profitable. They're just trying to like spin the wheel and pump out innovation. And, you know, with innovation, that's a whole nother topic because some of these things that are being produced are made in labs. And how is our body going to digest it? We're starting to see the ramifications of, of genetically modifying our crops to grow in any environment and any sort of climate. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, if it grows in any sort of climate and it's, it can't easily be broken down by nature, how's our body breaking it down? Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the biggest question. So like really looking at the innovation of products and, and plant, a lot, a lot of plant-based um, meats are coming out and there's one called chi that's really great. That's all made out of whole food ingredients. It's, it's slowly hitting the market right now but it's made out of sancha incha protein and it's really, Mm. really great. And looking at that, like, what is my, what is my product made out of? Is it made in a lab? Can my body digest it? Should I only try a little bit of it first? And, and really understanding that the more that you consume these products that have 
all of these inflammatory components to it. And you can speak to this for sure. The more allergies you're going to have, the more stuff you're going to be allergic to. And mm-hmm. it's not your body getting older. It's not an allergy, but it's something your body's telling you something. Your body's screaming at you like, mm-hmm. oh, now you're allergic to almonds. Now you're allergic to, to sunflower seeds. Now you're allergic to coconut. Why is that? Your body yeah. has been broken down in some way. And listening to that body is so, so important. Yeah, and I answer- wish I would have taken Sorry, yeah. the answer is not go, go, cutting go. out more foods, right? And that's when things get so restrictive is, well, oh, I have a sensitivity to this now and this now. It's like, but we're not actually getting to the root cause because it's either A, the yeah. quality of the food or something going on in your gut that you've got leaky yeah. gut or something else, hormone imbalance, you know, that is actually at the root of the cause where if you make your diet so small that you're missing all these amazing nutrients you're then going to screw up your hormones even more and your gut even more because you're not getting the nutrition that you need to support those systems of the body. Yeah, 100%. So well said. I couldn't have said that. I'm just a food producer. I love it though. <laughs> you're, you're incredible. Really, um, really love your energy and passion for what you do. And you know, I love Thank that you. you're, you're also helping to educate others. So I appreciate that. And for you taking the time to come in, come on here today most important question of the day now is what is your favorite childhood memory with food? Oh my gosh. Um, I think my favorite childhood memory with food was probably being in my grandmother's kitchen and it's kind of not, it's a drink, but having my first cappuccino when I was like five years old and just knowing like my love affair with coffee and, and kind of bitter earthy flavored Mm. things. And then Also, just like my mom making breakfast Mm -hmm. every morning, no matter what, my mom always made something for breakfast. She made scrambled eggs with Lowry seasoning in it and Mm. a little bit of shire sauce in it. You know, she made um, monkey rolls or cinnamon rolls that I love so much. And just having that time every morning to have breakfast with my family, even though both of my parents worked and she had twins. I have a twin brother and an older sister two years apart. So she had three kids under two, Mm. just understanding that like that time was so important to Mm. us. And I think that's, that's probably a big memory. And then making, making uh, sausage and peppers with my dad. That was a big one. He would cook every once in a while. And every time he would get in that kitchen and every time I got in the kitchen, I always felt like I was at home. Like I've always felt a little bit awkward and shy and like, I don't know the right things to say, but when I get in the kitchen, something changes in me. Mm. I just become confident. I become, I become who I'm supposed to be and all this like passion and love and everything in life that really brings us down and jades us just goes away. Mm. And I think that's, that's probably one of my biggest memories is just being in the kitchen and just having fun and trying out recipes, even if Mm -hmm. they don't work. (laughs) Yes. I always, I need to remind people of that, that when I first started cooking, people are always like, Oh, you're such a good cook or whatever. I have made so many mistakes. You don't see the times that I make cakes that sink in the middle. And my boyfriend's like, what, what is this? Like, (laughs) I'm still making mistakes in the kitchen. So having fun is so important. And I'll always eat it because I hate wasting, but <laughs> yeah, times. that's, that's a way time. we are too. My husband's yeah. like, we got to eat that again. Yep. We do. Yeah. We no, certainly it's do. Not going in the trash. So <laughs> well, Michelle, <laughs> there's an experience so with cooking yourself a meal that, that is so, I, I never had it before, especially mm. like 
in the last three or four years, I've just been actually longer than that. Like the last five years, I've really Mm -hmm. been into doing food prep Mm -hmm. and really like, it's my meditation. It's like once a week, I just sit there for two hours and just food prep and just get everything ready. So I can cook dinner in 10 minutes. We have all the vegetables cut and washed. Yeah. Yeah. I I look, I get so excited about it. I really do. It's, it's tiring. It does get tiring and I do get sick of it. I'm not going to lie, but it is, it really is my, my happy place. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Michelle. Thank you you so much for coming on today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I also love your product. We'll continue to be a a loyal customer and not because, you know, just because I know you, but because I love the taste and the quality of your product. So thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Yeah, you too. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you are interested in working one-on-one with me to improve your nutrition and get to the root cause of why you aren't meeting your health goals, you can go to nutritionrewired.com. And my next group coaching program starts August 1st. So it is right around the corner. And I wanted to read this review from a client who just completed the most recent group program. She said, I joined the group coaching program with a goal to not only gain more insight into and support my own personal GI issues, but also to learn as much as possible about everyday gut support. I had seen GI doctors previously and did not feel I received the depth of support and investigation needed to improve my symptoms. With the support of Aaron and the group coaching material, I was able to leverage my various test results to make changes in my diet and everyday routine to improve symptoms and overall health. The information in each weekly session was incredibly eye-opening, and I learned more than I could have ever imagined about how to properly fuel and care for my gut. I thoroughly enjoyed the group coaching setting. It was awesome building relationships with other individuals on a similar journey while also getting individualized support as needed. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Nicole, for that review. These mean so much to me and potential members of the group coaching or one-on-one programs. If you want to look at more testimonials, you can go to my website for group and individual coaching, give those a read. And my previous clients are always happy to chat with potential members. So thanks for tuning in. And as always, don't forget to share the health.